life on the road. It's booze, tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns, and fees, fights, cancel flights, running with the runs, and blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette, <laughs> drunks in the front, making out for your set, and middle acts doing blow more, missing merch, and drive the rental car past another mega church, and juice keys, vagina fist, your cell phone is gone, one big law and order marathon. Hi, Murray. How are you? What's your son's name? Uh, it's Frank. Thanks for Frank. asking. Okay. And you are son's children, right? Yes. Okay. But married? Yeah. Okay. Well, we don't. this isn't therapy. We don't have to. Well, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Marriage is therapy. Yeah, well, that's the truth. Hey, uh, thanks for tuning in to the Road Stories podcast, everybody. Uh, I am your host, Murray Valeriano, part of the All Things Comedy Network. So much to talk about. So much to talk about. Um, all right. Uh, first of all, and Alan, feel free to chime in on this as I give you the story. Um, you know how people can't wear watches? What do you, you ever, mean? Like some people can't wear watches. They just they put on a watch and then the watch goes haywire. Have you ever heard that theory? Hate, no, not haywire. I hear people don't like to wear watches, but not because <laughs> yeah, haywire. Yeah, no, there's apparently... Springs come out. Yeah. But people like are a, injured. <laughs> like uh, those old uh, cartoons. You know, they prefer not to wear watches. There's that people. There's that sect of people. Yeah. And then there's people who apparently their EMs, electromagnetic pulses, no, I cause haywire. The watches go haywire. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, first time I, I've heard about it. Okay. Well, I googled it, and it's it's a theory. Um, but so it's not a problem for some people. Like you see, like you'll find people who say, "Oh, this is I can't wear watches." Blah blah blah. And then you'll have some scientists chime in and say, "Well, it's kind of bullshit." Yeah, well, those people are a little nutty. Yeah, and they like yeah, attention. A little eccentric. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I cannot work with eight-track mixers because I have fried. And my listeners know this. This is my third mixer I fried since January. What with two voices? Uh, just my. I don't know what it is. I just I'll go and I'll turn it on, and, it, and the the last one smoked. So you're not going to be an album producer? No, I'm not. I'm so not. it has nothing to do with your uh, the two of us here talking. It's more the technology just kind of breaks down around you. It breaks down around me. Like Does I like, that happen with toasters when you were a kid? Or? No, no, just uh, mixers. And and my and listeners, let me tell you, I am borrowing Mike Siegel's mixer right now because I fried another one. This is the third uh, Sir Mixer lot. Maybe you I should like to buy your own. Instead of borrowing them and frying, you know, I mean, hi, Mike, welcome back from Bangladesh, right. ride your mixer. Exactly. That's, he, knows the, he knows the risk going into it. So uh, thanks to Mike Siegel for, for letting me borrow this mixer. And hopefully uh, you, when you come back from East fucking Jabib or wherever you're at, you will uh, have a mixer. Um, and the second thing is, uh, well, since Alan is talking, before I go into my uh, body issues, um, just let me introduce my guest, who I'm very excited to have on. Uh, a, I'm a fan, and uh, B, uh, I'm just glad you came on. Alan Havey, uh, stand-up extraordinaire, um, probably most no, uh, recently known for uh, Mad Men. Uh, Lou Avery is the character, yep. I believe. Okay, great. That was so. I like all the comics were like when like uh, the premiere this year. We're like, he's, he's got a he's, he's on full time now. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, uh, quite an extraordinary uh, happening. Do you have to keep that hush-hush? Because... I did. I did. I started last, the uh, uh, first day of shooting was November 4th, 2013, and the show premiered April 13th, 2014. Wow, so you can say anything, right? No, I lied to everybody except for my wife. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Well, that's it's good. not sweet. It's just like, you know, it was really, 
it was very difficult at times, but other times it really made sense and kind of focused you more. Oh yeah, yeah. So and once you get on the set, everybody was there, so you knew what you were doing. Yeah, so yeah. This is, I, and in in a lot of ways, I felt more relaxed when I was working, mm-hmm. uh, which is usually the case with stand up too. Once I get on stage, I'm fine. It's the time in between that. Yeah. But uh, I think it really focused the actors, and I think it's a better branding thing. You know, let's say I'd gone out mm-hmm. and I had posted, I'm going to be on Mad Men, bop, 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 bop. And it, by the time it premieres, you're sick of it. You go, oh, that's what you're doing. Whereas when you surprise someone, mm-hmm. especially my family or friends, or like you say, comedians, when it's a surprise, it creates more of a buzz. Oh, yeah. So I think, and when I was on Louis, I didn't tell people. There wasn't a non-disclosure on Louis, but I just said, you know what? Uh, the people that know will know. Right. And then people would go, wow, I didn't see you on Louis. It's more fun to discover someone. I love it when I'm at home mm-hmm. and I'm watching something and I see a comedian, <laughs> I, I, you know, in an acting part or a movie or something. It's just fantastic. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a better pop. Oh, yeah. If uh, you want to accept that. That makes a lot of sense. And in this day of self, this vomitous self-promotion, right. endless self-promotion, it's kind of nice not to talk about it. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, we were all surprised. And I host the, uh, I co-host Bill Ingvall's uh, radio show. Uh, right out of here, actually. If you ever want to be a guest on it, please come on. Um, Man, I'm already a guest on your podcast. Now you're you're working <laughs> Hold me. Hold on, I know I'm on the Bill Ingvall, and I'll show. get you on Comedy Films Nerds with Graham Elwood. And I'm already you- <laughs> on that. If you're get, apparently you're not a listener, I'll get you on. Jimmy I've done Park. the top podcast. Okay, <laughs> talk you to name me. Him. Talk to me, Havy. I'll get you on. Uh, I've been in Ingvall's seats at uh, you know Angel. Oh, State. yeah, nice, huh? Yeah, yeah, nice. Anyway, so we featured you the on that show the following after the premiere of the Mad Men because I'm so excited for you. Um, So if I, if I sound a little out of it, um, I fucked up my neck surfing the other day and uh, through my genius uh, on how to cure it, I thought, Hey, it's a small day for surfing. I'll just go paddle around, maybe work out that kink in the back of my neck. I paddled into one wave, and now I can't turn my head to the left or right. So, <laughs> But that's not a bad way of, of trying to do it. I think it's better to work things out physically first before you run to the doctor. Well, that's just it. Last time this happened to me, I ran to the doctor. He gave me 30 Vicodin and 30 muscle relaxers. I lived in a haze for two weeks before I went back to him. I said, we got to do something, man. I can't live like this. Yeah, potential drug addict. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, me doctors Betty Ford. are very quick to write you a script. They're I was just- very surprised at that. Like uh, how quick he was, because I don't. I'm one how of those big guys. Farm makes their money. Yeah, that's true. You know, I'm one of those guys who rarely goes to the doctor. So they take the doctors out to dinner, yeah. trips, vacations, free. Push samples. the pills, baby. Yeah, mama's mama needs a new car. Well, Alan, I'm I'm really stoked that uh that you're here, and uh, I was we talked about how we met earlier, but I wanted to tell you about how uh another time we met, which you probably don't remember, and there's no reason you should. Um, I was. In New York for my wife's the premiere of what movie was uh, a serious man maybe the Coen Brothers movie so we met at the uh, Friars Club at the Friars Club yeah at the Friars Club your wife was is an actress costume designer costume for designer. serious man yeah she oh. does all of Joel and Ethan's uh, movies oh wow and uh, so it was funny because they they had all of us all of us, all of the crew and the, their uh, spouses fly out to uh, New York for the premiere. And uh, it was great. You could see the New Yorkers who remained very sober <laughs> during that uh, premiere party. And then the uh, Los Angeles uh, people who realized they didn't have to drive 
for the first time and then just get completely embarrassingly inebriated. That's what's the, uh, probably one of the best things about New York mm-hmm. is that at any time, drunks or sober, you can go home. Yeah. And you can walk, you can take a subway or just walk outside and say taxi. Yeah. Great for, way for a woman to get out of a bad date. And, <laughs> and, and the occasionally, man, a woman can just get up from the table, she's having a bad time, walk out on the street, don't say a word, <laughs> lift your finger, and a cab will come by and take you to your home. <laughs> That's true. Uh, where did you get your start? New York. Let's go. Oh, okay, you were a New York comic. I was raised in Miami, mm-hmm. went to Florida State, uh, okay. theater major, Miami-Dade Community College for two years, mm-hmm. and because I couldn't afford uh, to go to college right away, save my money, and then put myself through two years of Florida State. Wait, and did Regan go to school? No, he went to college in Ohio, Ooh. but Brian Regan. You know, he's from Florida. But he's from Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him down okay. there at the comic strip later when he was uh, oh, right. an MC one night, washing dishes the next, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I saw, people say about pay their dues, I saw Brian Regan pay his dues. Oh, yeah? I actually, you know, witnessed it. Many comedians did. <laughs> um, and it's n- no surprise, just to get off track for a minute, that yeah. he's as good a comedian. As he is, because you know he just watched a lot of comedy. Oh yeah, uh, in there, and uh, figured it out. Yeah, and worked hard. Yeah, uh, he was talking about. He was on the show. He was talking about those early days of washing dishes and yeah, tanking it early on. Oh yeah, I, and that I, was I, in Fort Lauderdale. No, yeah, comic strip okay. in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, I you know I really didn't see him tank. I saw him do a little bit of comedy, and, and you know it was funny mm-hmm. but you know and then it was like years later and this is great about this business years later like he's a killer headliner on the road and i'm like well, when did that happen right <laughs> you know he didn't go through new york i didn't see him in la and he just worked it so yeah. it's uh it's an interesting career path he had this is mm-hmm. all about brian regan yeah this is the brian regan podcast but, uh, and a nice guy and, you know <laughs> just and and his brother dennis too sure I worked with him sure sure so you uh, but so after college uh with the intent of going to new york as an actor mm-hmm. uh i went up there and uh moved into a place in hell's kitchen where a friend was and i walked by the improv i also had a comedy team as part of a comedy team at florida state oh and i didn't know that yeah uh an actor now john mcfarlane mm-hmm. we're acting in plays and we decided to put on comedy stuff so when i moved to new york he came up there we did some for about a year, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to go out on my own. Mm-hmm. And I thought it's going to be a lot easier as a comedian to get in front of an audience than it is as an actor. Sure. And uh, so I started around '81 at the Improv and uh, just stayed with it. Quit for a while, came back, mm-hmm. and that's where basically I made my bones. How long did you quit for? About three or four months. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, see, I I stepped out for five years. Yeah. When I started writing for TV and coming back was very hard. I saw the end very quickly. Oh, yeah? I, I said, okay, you're not a stand-up, but you're going to live, and one day you're going to be at home doing whatever in the hell you're doing, and you're going to see these guys you just worked with on television. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that. Right. And so I forced myself back to the club. and Smart. Got yeah, five, eight months maybe. Yeah? Who were you, uh, around what year was this? 81. Oh, so there were... How many clubs were there in New York at that time? Uh, there's only like three big yeah. ones, and then, but there were little rooms. There mm-hmm. were B rooms. There were plenty of places to go and showcase if mm-hmm. you wanted. And then the Comedy Cellar opened in 82, 84, mm-hmm. around there. Uh, and uh, then that became the fourth room. Yeah. And there are only... Like, of those days, only the strip is left. There was a strip, the catch, and the improv. 
those were the main comedy rooms. Mm-hmm. And then you had a bunch of little rooms or, you know, I, I would call them B clubs. Right. And then the comedy cellar came along. So for a while you had four and then catch closed and the improv closed. And now it's only the strip and the cellar. But Caroline's open. Oh, yeah. Caroline's great. Now, here's my question. And, and I like Bud a lot. And maybe this isn't a, uh, the forum for this question. But I had heard that the reason there's no improv in New York is because his ex-wife got the rights. Right. Uh, they is were that di- true? They were divorced and she ran... Uh, improvs east of the Mississippi. Okay. And he ran the improvs west. And so she closed them down and he can't open them? I, I don't know. I really don't know the particulars. Okay. I have a good relationship with Bud Me too. and Silver, so I don't want to get into uh, any kind of guesswork here. Yeah, I understand. Listen, Silver's, if you ask me, Silver's the reason I'm working the improvs. <laughs> she just she took was, a shine to she, me. She's a sweetheart. She was the first person in 81 to say yes. Yeah. It was the biggest yes I've had. Mm-hmm. And I will, I am indebted to her. I've told her as much, mm-hmm. and I'll be indebted to her always. Oh, that's great. And, but, but too, in, in sure. another phase of my career. So uh, I'm grateful that I've worked with them and know them both. Yeah, I yes, I am also. So what did you do? Did you take off and hit these little one-nighters out in, uh, out in Jersey and Connecticut? Or Absolutely. Where were those, what was the road like then? It, it was, um, well, it was exciting because you were getting paid 50 bucks. Right, yeah. And, and, and you got a meal, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, sure. I would get in the car. Some guy would pick us up at the improv. And it was convenient for me. I lived in Hell's Kitchen, mm-hmm. so I could work and not get on a subway or take a cab. Nice. And uh, we go to Connecticut, we go to Jersey, we go to Long Island. Mm-hmm. I had no idea where I was. I would just get in the car, and if you've ever driven from New York into Jersey, there's so many roads, there's so many highways, and there's this road and this town, and all of a sudden you come off this freeway, which is kind of stinky, and then you wind up in this idyllic community. <laughs> then you drive through that right. to uh, <laughs> this shithole and, <laughs> and do your comedy. But, you know, a lot of uh, bar owners and yeah. music club owners and disco owners, uh, you know, did the math, and they go, wow, you know, we can pay like less than $200 and get three guys in here and pack a room and put on a show and sell a lot of booze. Were there a lot of, uh, I like to call ambush comedy where some people are going out to the dance club just to have a good time and dance. And then all of a sudden off off with the record and here comes Alan Havy and Wayne Fetterman or somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So there was a transitional period that was painful for both the audience and the comedian. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Uh, we're not here to see comedy. We're not here to sing. Right. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> That's funny because that has never changed. Even after all these years, you can still, I remember when I was doing the little shitty one-nighters, it was still the same thing. Even in, I'm sure, old coffee shops, and mm-hmm. people go and they just want to go and chill out. And then all of a sudden there's a comedy night. Right. And they're like, oh, damn it. I didn't come here for comedy night. I just wanted to, you know, have a mocha, meet a girl with hair under her arms, <laughs> go home and... Who was it? Was it Henry Phillips who was on the show who said um, he walked into one of those and he was about to go on stage and this couple walked in and goes, oh, comedy. I'll remember not to come here next week. Yeah. <laughs> Don't come here on a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> between 8 and 8.30. <laughs> um, oh, I see you brought notes. No, I, I love just, that. I, I love I, that. I wrote down uh, some of, uh, of the road stories. I felt would make good road stories, sure. but we don't even have to talk about them. Oh, I love that. I love no. when my listeners know I love when people bring notes. It's it's that kind of professionalism that uh, 
that well, I respect. Yeah, it's it's not around. It just it just helps me uh, focus, not mm. going off on tangents. I don't have a script. It's just kind of, oh, I should talk about this. I just wrote, wrote down four or five things that we can talk about now or, you know, 10 years from now. Oh, well, why don't we talk about the first one, and then we'll discuss you coming back in 10 years. <laughs> um, the first one's not the best one. Oh, well, pick whichever one you'd like. You know what I have to say? So, is, my next so you saw my notes, and now it changes the conversation? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, you, you're and Murray's working his back. I am. I'm sorry, guys. If you, could, <laughs> I, am. I think As it feels a little talking. better, Alan. Well, do you have healing powers? Y- yes, I do, but not to strange men. <laughs> well, well, don't close the door on that. Actually, a healing power, uh, and that's it, it's interesting you say that about because as stand-ups, we do heal, and it it, yeah, it sounds a little pretentious, but there are ways to to heal people. Uh, with laughter, it's been proven scientifically. Mm-hmm. It's been proven medically. Sure. Endorphin levels, the heart rate. Uh, but I was in Vegas one time, and we go to the VIP section to pick up our tickets. We're not really uh, VIPs. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there was a big roller there, and he was really on this woman behind the counter and just whatever he was complaining just about. Just laying in door? Yeah. And I really, you know, I wanted to pick up a chair mm-hmm. and hit the guy. And I understand I've been angry in public and stuff like that, but it just wasn't necessary what he was doing. And I noticed he had a hat on. I think it was uh, Mississippi, like that, or, mm-hmm. you know, a team, or it, it could have been anywhere. And uh, so she went back, and I said, how's your team doing? I, right, and we start talking about this. No, I went to Florida State, so I get into it with this guy, and he calms down. And then while we're laughing about something, the lady's still back. I said, you know, I know this lady. Mm-hmm. I, I work here a lot because he found I was a comedian. go, she's really nice. You know, and, it, and I think she's having a tough day. So you might take that into consideration. And he goes, yeah, you're right. Hmm. So when he came back, he, he apologized to her. I didn't chastise him. Sure. He apologized to her, and they worked it out, and he mentioned, he goes, yeah, this guy told me to calm down, like, whatever. <laughs> so when he left, she said, I'm here for the week. She goes, you have a suite. You have a free mini bar, uh, movies. You have in-room internet. You know, all you know, all this. I said, "Well, that's not necessary." She goes, "No, no, no. Anytime you come here." So when I go back, I see her, and she hooks me up. Oh, that's nice. Right. And comedians want to know what's her name. I go. She told me not to tell anyone. I promised her. <laughs> right. So you can't get the same deal. Right. But that was just you know, one of those moments where I said, I, you know, I went from, "Hey, buddy, shut, shut up." Yeah. This woman's doing instead of doing that. I waited for a moment, an opening there, and I took it, and it turned into something good. Yeah. That doesn't always happen. Sure. <laughs> but but that's a good lesson. I mean, how many yeah. times have I mean, you know, I'm Italian. I got a little bit of a temper. I'm not going to lie to you. How many times, you know, I just need to maybe just take a de- deep breath back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, of course, we learn it all from our parents. Yeah, of course. And our peers. Of course. And besides, I want a free mini bar. Let's, let's be honest. We can be selfish and about it for a second. mellow out. <laughs> every time I go to Calm Vegas Calm down Every time I go to Vegas I was like uh, Alan Havey sent me Yeah Anyone? No, no okay. That's not Nothing. going to work No Okay um, You say it's it's a healing power And, and um, Again not to get I think you said not to get uh, Sappy or emotional I forget um, But there's nothing I mean I can get a standing ovation I can get a, 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 a Applause break But it makes it really all worthwhile when somebody comes at, up to you later and says, man, I really needed to laugh tonight. Yeah. And you hear and, that a lot. Yeah. And that just... Hey, I, this is just what I needed. Yeah. I, we didn't know who you were. That's another thing. <laughs> we didn't know who you were, but you were so funny. 
Yeah. And I, and I tell people, there's a lot of people out there. You know, a friend of mine's son or an acquaintance from Wongo's son wanted to get in the show business and, and the person called me and they wanted answers that I couldn't give them. Mm-hmm. And he was always a theater major. And what's he going to learn from that? I said, well, he's going to learn liter- literature, history, uh, carpentry. Mm-hmm. He will be able to sew his button on if he <laughs> needs to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he'll learn about finance because you got to work in the box office. Mm-hmm. He's going to learn how to work with people in a collaborative effort to bring one thing so it won't be about him. It's about team playing. Um, he's going to learn a lot. Uh, and uh, he he said, well, uh, how do you know? When you, I said, there isn't, it's not a law firm. Mm-hmm. It, you're not working at the post office. Yeah. There's no template that Brad Pitt followed or Neil Simon followed that someone could fit into what they do. You can learn from them. Mm-hmm. You can follow ad- advice, but there's no way uh, in this business to say, well, how can you make it or how can you... It's all it, To them, it's always about being a star, people out here. They always feel that if you're not a star or if you're not known, you're a failure. Right, yeah. yeah or you're true. struggling. It's not true. Yeah. Because it's the road. There is no... The road to happiness is the road. Mm-hmm. That thing, and uh, that brings us right back to road stories. <laughs> Murray, I'm wrangling this podcast away. Dude, from you're you. keeping it centered, man. I love it. I love it. It's funny you mentioned Neil Simon. Neil Simon was in that room at the Friars Club that night, and I set out on a journey to find him. Did you? No. Wow. I never met him. What would you have said to Neil Simon? I don't know. I think that might have been the Scotch talking when I was set out to find him. Or bringing out what you really felt because you're a big fan of Neil Simon. That's true, and I am a huge fan of Neil Simon. I would have have brought up the fact that I saw him at the Writers Guild. Uh, They did uh, a tribute to Sid Caesar's writers, and I saw him there. I would have brought up that. I would have brought up how much of a fan I was. Here's what you say. Thank you. Hmm. That's all you say. Yeah. I mean, if I, I don't bother celebrities, mm-hmm. or if I see them, I go, and then we get talking, I said, by the way, thanks. I really love your work. It's, yeah. It's been huge. That's all they need to hear. Now, if they get engaged in conversation, and you kind of find out the people they are, and they bring up, the, yeah, I saw you with the Writer's Guild thing, and like that, that one thing you said that really meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay to do that. Sure. But, uh, yeah, Neil Simon can't get a play on Broadway now. Really? Yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah. Now, this is, I guess, third or fourth hand. I don't know. I find it very hard to believe. Mm-hmm. But it's just a straight comedy is tough to get backers for. Huh. I, I hope I is. hope it's bullshit. Yeah, me too. But I heard that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hope it's bullshit So I, I'm presenting it as a rumor I heard. Oh, that's cool. As long as you present it as yeah. non-factual rumor, I think it's okay. I love when people hear rumors or they hear something like word of mouth and they present it as fact. Well, like, Alan Havey said... Uh, like Neil like they were there, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I hope it's not true. Some dinner party. It's, it blows me away, uh, The Odd Couple, mm-hmm. the movie. I haven't, I've never seen a production of the play, but the movie still holds up oh yeah and the opening 10 minutes is dreadful it's this guy this depressed guy on his way to jump out a window oh yeah and you're wondering if you have a kid sit down and watch it today by kid i mean 17 sure what's going on this movie sucks this is there's nothing happening (laughs) and then you get into that life and those two Mm -hmm. and it's hysterical so funny it's hysterical perfectly directed Uh uh-huh acted of course written sure 
Uh, God, I love Neil Simon. Oh, and he wrote, uh, I think, one of the funniest movies ever made, The Heartbreak Kid. Oh, yeah. 1970, directed uh, by Elaine May. Dreyfus? Charles Grodin. Oh, Grodin, right. Right, right. You know, uh, you mentioned The Odd Couple. At one point, uh, Felix goes into, I guess would be a burlesque club at that time? Yes. The Metropole, which was in Times Square? Right. First script club I've ever been in. What year was that? Metropole. That I went in, 80, 86 or seven. I was underage. It was still, still there. Yeah, it was still there. It's not there anymore. Obviously, they cleaned it up. But uh, it's funny because when I watch movies from the seventies, mm-hmm. like Serpico mm-hmm. and uh, The Odd Couple, which came out I think sixty eight, sixty nine, but oh, Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. you know, that New York was still there and starting to disappear, and it. And then slowly over the 80s, it just chopped away, chopped away till yeah. it is what it is today. But that New York was still there, and it was dirty and mean. I, w- I moved to New York in 79. To, it was at its worst. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah it, I, you know, uh, if you go over uh, the history of New York, that mm-hmm. was a the lowest point, I think. There's a documentary called, like, New York 1979 or is 78 there? or something it like that. It's really interesting, yeah. Man. Because I I grew up in Jersey, just out just across the uh, bridge there. So ah, that would be where uh, <laughs> the, the disgust on your, uh, on your no face. no no. I'm just curious where uh, disgust. A little town called Wayne. Okay, you know Wayne? I, no. Okay, I probably played it. You probably there's you know, probably a ground round out there, <laughs> or, or got lost in Wayne. <laughs> but uh, no, the, the amazing thing about Jersey is like you hear about Jersey is dirty and like that. Mm-hmm. You look across the river and you see some nice homes, but it's and you drive the, you know, the freeway in Jersey, mm-hmm. um, at certain parts around Newark, and it's. But then you get out there, Jersey's beautiful. It's the Garden State. Yeah, I, I rarely have a lot of good things to say about it, but it is the Garden State, man. It's you great. go down to Princeton, it's beautiful. Oh, it's good, and the people are great. Yeah. People are nice yeah. in New Jersey. Right. Yeah, yeah, all right. I, you know, to, to me, it just, I, I, you know, I, I don't care. Right. If you're a little angry, you know, <laughs> in New Yorkers, they tell it like it is. It, to me, I, I, I find that refreshing. Yeah. Rather than some ambient existence. If you go into the, the malls of America now in any big town, you know, and just, and people are nice, but I, I, I like people with a little bit of anger. You don't like the ambivalence of no. just, yeah. Well, I grew up in a very Italian neighborhood, so you, you, you heard it all. And, the fact and you that, heard it loudly. The fact that your <laughs> neck is stiff from a surfboard accident is highly unusual. Yeah. <laughs> I adapted to the California lifestyle very quickly. Yeah, I there. can see. You got your polo shirt on. <laughs> you're skinny. You know, for an Italian, you're one of the thinnest middle-aged Italians. With a Jewish name. Murray. Murray. Yeah, how did that happen? Oh, long story. Okay, long story. let's not go there. Yeah, it's not is, about me. This isn't names stories. This is, uh, no. this is road stories. The genesis of names. Welcome. <laughs> Uh, what is Havy? What is that nationality? It came from Heavy O'Heavy. It's Irish. Oh, Heavy O'Heavy. Yeah, it was Heavy and then O'Heavy. Oh, Heavy and then O'Heavy. Okay, Heavy. And my mom's German, so I'm Irish German. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we were discussing Vegas earlier. Uh, when did you start Vegas? When did you start working Vegas? When I started, uh, moved out here in California in '95. Started working Bud's room. Oh, okay. And, and you still work Bud's room because I saw still, you on still the. Do it, uh, yeah. So it's coming up on 20 years. That's great. Bud's Rooms, Tahoe, Vegas. But of course, Friedman, we were talking about earlier, runs uh, uh, the improvs. The New Orleans improv, he had one down there in Missis- mm-hmm. Mississippi, I believe it was, mm-hmm. Tunica. Um, 
my plan was to work Bud's rooms and a few other rooms and then stay in L.A. as long as I can to audition mm-hmm. and just be a presence here. Sure. And it, it worked out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know? So I'm very happy about that. But I don't do a lot of... I, uh, when I was uh, starting New York, I went out the road once as a feature for three weeks, mm-hmm. opening for Pat Paulson. Oh, wow, Pat Paulson, sure. And then there was another comedian, Adam Wesley, who's no longer with us, okay. that I uh, featured for, and one more guy, I forget his name right now. Mm-hmm. So I did maybe about five or six road gigs as a feature act. Did you and bump up to headline quickly? No. They wanted me to come back out mm-hmm. as a feature again, and I said no. Hmm. And I stayed in New York, I tightened my belt, and I worked on my act. And I said, when I go out on the road, I'm going as a headliner. Because I was doing very well as a feature. Not sure. good enough to be a headliner, mm-hmm. but on my way there, I felt. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I stayed off the road for a couple of years. And then I got uh, did my Letterman mm-hmm. in 86. And, but a couple of years, like in 85, I had done Merv. Like January of 85 was mm-hmm. my first uh, headlining gig. Oh, cool. Outside of Pittsburgh. Awesome. Um, have you, was there, did you miss the kind of like, was Vegas already Disneyland by 95 or, no. cause I'm, in, I'm infatuated. I love Vegas. I love performing in Vegas. I love old Vegas. I liked it. Like I had Max Alexander on and he was telling me about, you know, opening for Sinatra in the seventies. So I love the evolution of Vegas. Yeah. I, I missed, uh, Vegas in the seventies. I got there. I did a corporate gig there in eighty nine, mm-hmm. I think. But no, I missed all that. But I was there when the transition was happening. Mm-hmm. Same thing in New York. The right. transition started. Uh, I love performing in Vegas. I like Vegas crowds. I don't like going to Vegas. To me, it's the saddest place on earth. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could see a lot of people share that. Yeah, um, it just it's. I don't gamble. Mm-hmm. I don't drink when I'm there mm-hmm. uh, because I just don't want to be. I feel like you know, in a carnival, I don't want to go out there and. You know, that great line from uh, Homicide, the movie, David mm-hmm. Mamet movie. Sure. His, you know, it's what the old horse said. When Once you start coming with the customers, it's time to quit. You know? <laughs> and I love that line. And it was a, it, it was in reference at that time uh, to a cop uh, hanging with a victim's family and, mm-hmm. and getting, you know, involved with their passion and stuff. Uh, but to me, it's just like, if I'm down there drinking and gambling next to people that saw me in a show... I don't, it's just like, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah. I'm a part of this. So I go back to my room, I watch my movies or read, or mm-hmm. I work out when I'm there. It's the healthiest week of my life. I've always I said it's, the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, always, I always come home with money. Yeah. I've never lost in Vegas. <laughs> and I have gambled a few times, mm-hmm. once on football with my brother up in Tahoe, mm-hmm. and I picked the right team. My brother gave me the money because he didn't know about, uh, I don't know that much about football. You picked the team I did, and... We won like thousands of dollars. Oh, nice! Yeah, it was a nice weekend with my brother. I uh, I don't follow sports at all, as my listeners know. But I was in Vegas working, and uh, I was just like, "Hey, uh, I called my friend who's a big football player. Who should I put in money on the Super Bowl?" And this is like in the summertime. And he's like, "I think uh, I think uh, I think the Steelers are going to have a good year. I think the Steelers are going to go." And so I put money on it. Completely forgot about it. I go to a Super Bowl party, which I rarely do. Halfway through, I'm like. I think I have money on the Steelers. <laughs> this is like this is nine months later. Arizona, and they won. They won at the last minute, yeah. like, with that ridiculous catch. And I won like three hundred fifty bucks. I had to mail it. That's it. 
Well, I didn't know what I, I didn't know what to do, man. Oh man. Hey, three hundred fifty bucks when you didn't think you were gonna have it. No, Actually, no, make no, it three hundred because I had to mail my ticket to somebody in Vegas and they gave him fifty bucks for picking up the money for me. Look at you. So three hundred bucks. And then that guy was killed, <laughs> and then you had to track it down. I had to track it down. And you burst into the Bellagio with a pistol. <laughs> I'm looking for my 300 bucks. Now, how often do you travel now during the... Uh, 10 weeks a year. Oh, that's good. Yeah, maybe 12. Maybe. Yeah, I, I do about 12 now. A big year for me is 15 weeks. Yeah. You know? Uh, I'd like to do more one-nighters. I'd like to do more corporates. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that'll happen. But uh, I really... I enjoy the road. Yeah. And also, I, I saw the last waltz when it came out, like, 78, right before I moved to New York. Sure. And these guys were talking about being burned out by the road. And when I was working at the improv, guys would get back from the road. And I could see guys had been doing it 10 years ahead of me. I looked at them. And some of them had energy and enjoyed mm-hmm. it. But the other guys, it was just, they were, like, hollowed eyes mm-hmm. and death. And I said to myself, I'm not going to do the road. Uh, just because I can, mm-hmm. you know. And there was a point in my career where I got done forty weeks on the road and made some really good money. I don't want to do that, and I think that's the reason I still enjoy the road. When I get a gig on the road, fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's not a drag. I don't. I don't have a mortgage hanging over my head. Mm-hmm. I don't have children that I have to support. It's just my wife and myself, and she works and. Um, so life, knock on wood. Sure. Doc Severinsen, the guy who used to lead the Tonight Show. Band. Sure. Uh, this is after the Tonight Show, like three or four years after he was off the Tonight Show. He's on the road 44, 46 weeks a year. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and now, well, think about it when you first started. How easy was it to fly? You know, you could just walk in. You could, your wife could walk to the gate with you. Right. You know, and but that's a, to me, you know, okay, 9-11, big deal. Right. So I have to go through, I have to get there a little early and go through a metal detector. I don't care. No? No. I think it, it's becoming a huge pain. I, I, that's what I don't like about it is the flying. You got to accept it. That's yeah. part, you see, that's part of the trip. It's like the small seat or the crappy food. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the person next to you, it just, that's all part of it. Mm-hmm. You're going to experience that. And sometimes it's real easy to go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the TSA preview now, so I don't oh, have do? to take off my Smart. shoes. Okay. I don't have to pull my computer out, not at all airports. but And so I get there. As long as I'm there and as long as the flight makes it, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've had a great flight. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I I don't complain as much as I would have probably when I was younger. Sure, I have to say I can't complain. I have very good flying karma. Uh, I rarely get laid over or anything, but when I do, I know I'm knocking right now. Yeah. Oh, can you knock for me? I can't. <laughs> but when I do, it's nine hours. You know, it's wow. like the last one is I was going to New York to uh, do the podcast festival and a couple of gigs and the Sirius XM show. During that big storm they had in January, and I was stuck at LAX for yeah. like nine hours. But the thing is, they wouldn't tell you it was nine hours, so I couldn't. I'm 15 minutes from the airport, you know. So I couldn't leave. At one point, like, do you say just let me off the plane? Well, we're, I was in the lounge. Oh, you were. But they were like, uh, we're going to delay you an hour, and then an hour would go. We're going to delay you another hour, uh, and then an hour. Would go. And I'm like, can you just? It's like, well, we can't delay you know we can't say it's going to be eight hours right so it was just one hour after one hour after one hour caught up on my netflix though i was get you got some got in some good movies i guess not a book huh not a book guy um didn't bring a book with you just watching (laughs) just sitting there 
Like a 16-year-old kid? For that, 12-year-old sure. kid? <laughs> Pull out a book, Murray. <laughs> for that, for a weekend, I usually don't bring a book because I usually don't have time. Really? After a show? Yeah, yeah. I like I'm, usually to too, I'm usually too wired to sit down and, and, and read. I'll watch something and then read yeah? before I go to bed. It calms me down. I get too into it if I start reading, because my wife's a big reader before she goes to bed, and if I start reading, then I'm going to keep reading and keep reading, especially if I'm really into it. And you, you, and you don't want that to happen. No, I don't want to learn things. No. You don't want to. Hold on. Let's, you don't want to. Why it are we happen. assuming that I'm reading quality stuff, first of all? Well, it will, whatever you read, it's good to read. It's just good. It's great for your mind, great for your uh-huh. imagination. Uh, it's very quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, I love reading. Yeah, are you a Kindle guy or are you a, no. a book guy? No, I'm a, I'm a book guy. Yeah, I'm a book guy too. I don't. I can't get into the. My father-in-law, 85, huge Kindle guy. Really? Yeah, he's embraced technology. Good for him. Reads about two or three books a week. Awesome. Yeah, and loves to watch baseball. You know, loves movies too. Mm-hmm. Really enjoys his Kindle. Yeah, I'm more of a uh, biography, nonfiction guy. Uh, my nephew's like that. Yeah. My nephew DJ. I'm really enjoying these. Uh, uh, this book called uh, oh, what's it called? It's a Tears for Fears song. I forget, but it's an oral history of the new wave movement in the early '80s, mm-hmm. coming out of the p- punk movement. Can't put it down, man. It's a biography on every like 29 different bands. All the bands there, and I, I probably caught a few, but missed most because I wasn't into the punk or the no. new wave. Do you ever open for bands? Yeah, uh, Tower Power. Oh yeah, Min Ferguson. Jazz, I opened at the bottom line for Buddy Rich. Oh, wow. Yeah, he gave me a pair of his sticks. Get out of here, really? My, my nephew has them. Yeah, my dad <sighs> My dad used to drum as a young man. Yeah. And he turned me on to Buddy Rich when I was a kid. Sure. So it was a thrill to open for him. Oh, I bet. Uh, Aztec Camera. Yeah, yeah, I like Aztec Camera. Uh, Whitney Houston, her first concert in New York before her first album came out. Mm-hmm. She did it at the bottom line. It was like a party. And uh, so she was 19 at the time. Sure. Great crowd that night. Yeah, ninety nine percent black. Yeah, have you ever played to a, a black crowd only? Oh sure, great audience. Oh yeah, definitely. it's like church. They they give it up. You yeah, know? there's that. Uh, it used to be called Mixed Nuts down here on Pico. I forget what it's called now. Right. Comedy Union or something. Uh-huh. I used to live around the corner from it, and ends would put me up all the time. And the clientele was mostly African. Yeah, it was an African American club basically. Yeah. Any, uh, uh, here's a white guy with a polo shirt. Yeah, green polo shirt. I don't wear it. <laughs> uh, yeah. My wife got me this. I have to wear it every once in a while. You don't have to explain it. You, and your wife's a costume designer, mm-hmm. and she put you in that. Yeah, she probably you should just watch your movies and go, give me something like that. <laughs> uh, I used to say uh, I dressed in whatever uh, tone my wife's movies were working on. So nice. if it was like no country, I was wearing cowboy shirts. <laughs> Good thing she didn't do Priscilla Queen of the Desert or I'd be in sequins over here. How many shirts did they have to rip when Javier Bardem broke his arm? Uh, when the kid took off his shirt? I don't know. But you Get can, back to me. You, you can ask her on the way out. She no, should be home. No, I don't want to meet your wife. You don't want to meet my wife? No, I, I'm asking you. You tell her. What's Get wrong back with me. my wife? Uh, nothing. I'm just kidding. I know. She'd like to meet you. We're big fans of Mad Men. Well, thanks. Uh, I am too. I was I've, since the first episode. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine told me about it. It was already six episodes. It already aired. So I watched the first one on demand. And the rest of the day, yeah, I, I went through like six hours of television, you know, without commercials. Like it's only like maybe just over five. Right, sure. It was great. Well, that's the thing I do, and I know you're uh, going to chastise me for not doing this with books, but I'll wait three seasons for a good show. Right. That way, I can take it on the road with me, keep me out of trouble. Just go to my room, watch two episodes of Homeland or Breaking Bad or Mad Men. Right. 
and I, and I catch up on that. That's how I do it. I'm not chastising. Right. We live in a new age. I'm just saying. I didn't see Breaking Bad till the fourth season had ended. I think that's when we started, too. And I, I binged watched mm-hmm. like a junkie. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't wait for the road. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, and, you know, and I remember when Mad Men, when they had the uh, con- contractual problem, I think it was before season five. Yeah, I remember reading about that. Yeah. And it was like almost a year mm-hmm. to have been on the air. And they worked it out and stuff like that. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not going to watch the opening night. It was a two-hour opener. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to wait a week. And then watch... Uh, I'm going to wait. I was there that night. I was <laughs> four hours, I watched it back-to-back, you know. But uh, Breaking Bad was uh, a lot of fun to binge watch. Oh, man. We just... I remember when we finally caught up. And then we had... Like, now what do we do? Yeah, no, you <laughs> wait. I like the... I love the binge watching, but I also like the anticipation. Mm-hmm. It's just like... And that way, you're, that episode that you had just watched on a Sunday... You're able to maybe go back on Wednesday and watch it again, mm-hmm. pick up some things you missed, and that anticipation I think is really good. It's it's very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like you know when the World Cup is coming up or the Super Bowl or if you're into the Oscars or mm-hmm. the Music Award, pick one. You know, I think people instead of getting everything instantly, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's it's good for people to have a delayed gratification. Sure, always has been. Yeah. But Mad Men, I was a huge fan of. Uh, watched every single episode many times. Don't you love? Don't you love when that happens? Like I love like being a fan of growing up watching a comic and then working with them. Yeah, and then it's just like this is this is this is my Oscars. You know, this is my. So when you're a fan of something and then becoming a part of it, it's just such a great feeling. And over the years, I've done that and met people, and what it's turned into for me, anyways, I have very few heroes, mm-hmm. and I don't even have to meet them. But as you get older, too, I'm uh, 59, Mm -hmm. uh, you kind of get a perspective on life like no one's really a hero, but people do extraordinary things. I admire people, Mm -hmm. but I don't have, I don't use the word hero unless it's it's a fireman going into a building and pulling somebody out. That's a hero to me. Yeah, yeah. Or a single mom who didn't want to be a single mom. Mm -hmm. Either her husband died or left her and she toughs it out and gives the kids a life. Mm -hmm. That to me is a hero. Sure. You know, I agree. I agree. Uh, let's take a look at your list here. My list. Yeah. Uh, you want you want to talk about a road story? Yeah. Here's it. it there, well, there's some nice ones and there's some dark ones, but uh, here's here's one that's kind of interesting. Ooh, we like interesting. Well, nice, this is nice and dark. And I'm changing the cities and names because many of the principals are still alive. Sure. Listen, this is not. So, so don't a, try to figure this out. This, this is not a puzzle. And this, I, is, this is not a bag on other people podcast. We respect when ch- names are changed. This is not what it's about. And if we want to bag on people, we'll name the names. Yeah. And <laughs> I always say this. If you do, do say something about that person is welcome to come on this show and tell really? the side of the Then story. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> okay. I, well, I, then know, fuck it. I don't want some guy <laughs> negating my bullshit. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a friend of mine. I'll talk and I'll say, yeah, I had this comedian. Go, who? I go, it's not important who. And then I'll start telling them, oh, it was this guy. And I go, no, this is not a puzzle. Right. This is not a quiz. Right. It's, what's important is the story of the, of the person. But I, I went on the road. And I went to this club. I'd been to a couple times before. And there was a new assistant manager. And she was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And she was dark-haired, slender, great personality, great sense of humor, smart, young. Uh, and so the gate went up. Bing, bing, bing. This might be, you know nice 
something or other here because we hit it off sure like that then two shows in i heard from somebody else not from her she's married she just had a baby a year old baby bing 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 the gate goes down <laughs> right. well this is not mm-hmm. going to happen you know and uh but over the week she's still flirting and like then finally the last night she comes in the dressing room she hands me my check after a show she grabs me and just starts kissing me sticks her tongue in me. Mm-hmm. i mean she goes i i want to be with you i just like i love your work and all this stuff and i said i said you're married she goes, yes but i don't like my husband anymore i said you have a baby said, oh, you just, i want to can we just meet i go i'm in town one night and i got to do like one extra night then i got to go and she goes well, can we get a hotel i mean she's right it sounds like you know the prom or something i sure. mean she's she's really sweet and believe me this doesn't happen to me right you know women have never come on to me this way they might flirt a little bit and then it leads to something mm-hmm. but this she was doing the hard press thing and i was very flattered and of course uh there's one guy in me going yay <laughs> this is great <laughs> fantastic there's a young girl she's yeah, they, they, but the other part, no, no no this isn't like that so the next night she gave me a number i didn't call her i threw the number away mm-hmm. A week later, I'm back in New York, and I call the club to talk to her, just say, hey, listen, sorry I didn't call, but you know, it was great meeting you, blah, blah, blah. And the manager answers, and she said, oh, she can't talk now. She's out in the uh, parking lot having an argument with her psycho cop husband. We're talking about dodging a bullet. All of a sudden, <laughs> I felt like the wisest man yeah. in the world. <laughs> and I immediately... Immediate, flashed to her in her bedroom with her husband and the baby there in a nightie with mascara streaming down her face saying I fucked the comedian oh. so there I fucked the comedian psycho con I don't want that guy on my trail no no that was one wise that move was, so that was a great road story for me it was just like hey, you learn something and I'm not you know I'm not a big moralist, right? Although I do feel that you should honor the bands of matrimony to a certain extent. Sure. Now, if it's a woman you meet in the road, your husband's out of town, you don't know her husband, you don't go to her house, and she wants to, uh, you're a big boy, do what you want, right? But uh, I'll be damned <laughs> if but, I didn't dodge a huge yeah. bullet, a literally, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, many bullets. <laughs> You might not have bought Apple at $75, but this might be the second wisest choice you ever To you young comics out there, find out the woman is, forget about her history of mental illness. Right. Is she married? Does Mm -hmm. she have a baby? Make sure about those things. Was she dating the bartender at Mm -hmm. the club or the bouncer? Or is she uh, a star fucker? Mm -hmm. Was she banging every headliner in there? Which which happens. Sure. Not so much anymore, I've noticed. I think you're. Well, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not in that game anymore. Right, and I'm not in that. I'm happily married, and I'm proud to say I don't cheat on my wife on the road or anything. But I've noticed that, and I've said this before. Well, now you can't be proud of that. Why not? Because you're su- not supposed to. You've already taken a vow. You don't pat yourself on the back for not. If you're single and you have a girlfriend, yeah, you can pat yourself on the back. But if you have a wife, that's that's the whole thing about matrimony. That's the symbol. <laughs> Of the ring, are you wearing a ring? 
Uh, no, I lost yeah, it in the ocean. This is the ring. The, you, yeah, yeah, I know. A lot of guys have. Oh, come. <laughs> no, I'm serious. When I was by my ring, a uh, woman said, yeah, a lot of surfers lose their ring. Oh, okay. Oh, so you're so, being saying, okay, good. Yeah, so that's... My wife understands, and other yeah. people are like, eh, bullshit. But to, to say, I'm proud to say... I am I, proud. Well, no, if someone backs you into a corner... All right. And says... I think somebody's backing me in the corner right now. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just saying... Um, <laughs> I used to be, when I lived with uh, my girlfriend, I wasn't always true. Uh-huh. But once we got married, okay, I realized before going in what the rules were. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure like you, you've had a few occasions where it could have easily have happened. Sure. Yeah. All you had to do was say yes or move to the left a little bit. Right. You know, <laughs> exactly. Or slip a ring into your pocket. Yeah, yeah. You know. And, but there are uh, young women out there. Uh, and I got hit on more in my 50s yeah? than in my 40s, yeah. Well, if you keep yourself in decent shape mm-hmm. and you're funny on stage, mm-hmm. they, they want to have sex. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, I, I don't know how women think. I, mean, yeah. I stopped years ago trying to figure it out. That's a different podcast, you know, how women think. That's a different universe. <laughs> That's a different reality. <laughs> where's, your, uh, where's, your, where's your favorite place to play? And let me know if it's uh, too warm in here. I have not put the AC in this place yet, so I really? can just open a window. Uh, no, I'm okay for now. I was okay. raised in Miami. Oh, of we course. didn't have AC till I was 13. <sighs> you Floridians, so, man. Yeah. My wife won't get in the Pacific Ocean. Where's she from? Uh, Fort Lauderdale. Oh, sorry. She's from Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tough thing, but I went to New York first and got it into the ocean there okay. know, during the summer. And I said, I don't care how cold it is. There's no way I'm not going to go in the ocean in the summer. Right. Now, you go up to Cape Cod, it's, oh, it's brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's painful. Or Lake Tahoe, but uh, the ocean right now, the temperature of water is pretty nice. It's about 70 right now. Yeah, it's really nice. Cut to me and you my kid in the water and my wife up with a hoodie. Do you wear a wetsuit? Uh, I haven't over the last two weeks. Okay. It's been warm yeah. enough to yeah, not wear a wetsuit. A friend of mine's from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Goes in the in the, with his son with a wetsuit during the summer. I go, take the wetsuits off. You have to adjust. <laughs> yeah. You, you're going to raise a little pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and they've since adjusted. Uh, did you ever uh, perform overseas for the troops? Yeah, Afghanistan. Yeah. October of 04. Oh. Yeah, so wow. that'll be 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, back then, uh, some of the military guys were building structures and goes, yeah, we're here for the long haul. Really? In they knew back then? Yeah, in 04. It was the first time they had free elections, mid-October of mm-hmm. 04, and it was very quiet. I heard no unfriendly fire, mm-hmm. um, and it was brutal. You know, just yeah. the sleep deprivation and, you know, staying in kind of tents. And we went to fire bases mm-hmm. and sometimes overnight. So it was a little scary, but I was so tired and so concerned about the shows that I really wasn't, you weren't I, concentrating I wasn't on afraid. Yeah. Yeah. The whole time I was over there. Tell us a little bit about those shows. Uh, you would see uh, the shows were great. Yeah. I love the shows, but it wasn't like. World War Two. Hey, you know what are the skirts right. like back home? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had they had computers. A lot of them watched war movies. I know Family Guy was very popular at that time. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. A lot of soldiers were in the Family Guy, so they'd be in their tents watching movies or stuff. Mm-hmm. So they had entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some shows we did fire bases where you look at a nineteen year old soldier and it, the light of life was gone from his eyes. They were really? just burnt out. Yeah, and you meet young girls on a mm-hmm. fire base. Uh, this one in Shindad. Remember, there's a couple of young uh, female soldiers there, and they co- they come up to you after the show and shake your hand. They all, I think it's they have to. That's right. another thing. Uh, but they were very grateful for it, and 
this one, a couple of girls are just like pulling him aside and go, "You should be at a Gap, yeah. holding sweaters." You know. Yeah. Um, and listen, I admire anyone who wants to go in the military and serve their country, but uh, they they looked like, you know, girls you see at the they don't look like soldiers. Now there's some women out there who are 100 percent soldiers, mm-hmm. and I have respect for them, I have respect for all soldiers. But some of these young girls and guys, like you, don't belong here. You know. Yeah, and these shows are not. Like you said, like the Bob Hope in a big with a big stage and you know. No, sometimes we had big stage. Yeah, it wasn't like Bob Hope coming over, who's a major star. But a lot of major stars did go over. Oh sure, sure. Gandolfini went over. Uh, uh, Drew Carey went over a lot. He oh, ran a yeah. couple tours. Um, I know. Ray, I think Ray Romano went over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who's the actor? Vince Vaughn mm-hmm. uh, was big on that. Oh, uh, cool. So. You know, and I'm there's a lot of people I'm not mentioning, but sure. That to me, for me as a comedian, and you know, we got paid, which I was surprised about, yeah, right? Yeah, I went over there not expecting, and I got a check, and I, I and I called the guy, no, that's what we get. I said, Where does this come from? And it was not from the USO, it was from morale, and yeah, whatever they have. A, so, uh, I wasn't expecting that, but you know, as a comedian, you go over that's one thing, but when you're a you know, pretty big star, and your life is pretty cushy, mm-hmm. and you can write a check. Yeah, yeah. But when you like go over there, that's a huge thing, and, yeah, they, and the soldiers appreciate that. Yeah. Do you ever do like any small tent shows, yeah. or oh do yeah, do it in the heat of anything? Yeah, not in the heat of a battle, but yeah. in the heat of the day. Oh we did, yeah, we did a show, and they just lost a couple guys. And the general at the time, I met the uh, general Allen. Mm-hmm. Who at the time was the head of operations over there said, "Hey, they just lost a couple guys a couple days ago. They really need to laugh." And I didn't say this to him. I said, "No, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe <laughs> in a couple weeks they yeah, need to yeah. laugh, but they, I don't know how you process tragedy, especially there. It's just expected. Sure. But did uh, that add any pressure to you, or no? It, it, it not pressure. Like well, I'm really going to make you laugh because if you really try to make someone laugh. It usually doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, that's the truth. But did you feel pressure in yourself on this has to be a good show? or? Yeah, I wanted to, but I always want it to be a good show. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where I'm playing, what venue it is. I want to do well. Mm-hmm. And uh, because my philosophy is when you go up at a club anywhere, there are people in the crowd. This is the only time they're going to see you. Mm-hmm. This is the only impression they're going to give you. And so you want to give that person, for whatever reason, a good show. You know. Now, do you uh, do you have any superstitions? I have a couple of crazy superstitions I've talked about on this show. Not really. No? I do a little ritual. I knock on wood and make the sign of the cross. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I started doing that about 12, 15 years ago. It's the Irish side of you? It's not. I'm not a Catholic. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a non-practicing Catholic, but I'm still a Catholic. So you're a Catholic. But, you know, like Jack Lemmon has its magic time. and some, All I right. Thought, and I knock on wood. Mm-hmm. Now, if I forget to knock on wood or make something, it doesn't matter. If I'm mm-hmm. on stage, you go, oh, I didn't knock on wood. I got to do it. No, I don't. <laughs> it's just one of those little fun little things I do. Mm-hmm. One is, I think, knocking on wood. I, I think that came from the cross. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah, I don't know where that came from. Uh, but uh, I'm sure we could Google it and look it up. But sure. uh, And the sign of the cross. Just, um, I don't know why I do it. Mm-hmm. But it's fun. And some... Old ladies will come up and go, I saw you cross yourself. I love you for that. And blah, blah, blah. Old ladies love that. And then, uh, but a lot of waitresses give me a hard time. <laughs> Did you make the sign of the cross? You know, and I do it usually when I'm alone. It just, yeah. It's just one of those goofy little things I do, mm-hmm. you know, just in case. 
Sure. Something yeah. Something happens. Like one of my things I do is I always write out the beats of my set list and I put it in my back left pocket. I don't know why. I've well, never, I out- I've never taken it out. I've never, but it, that's what I do. Well, but because it's the wise mariner that prepares for the storm and the calm weather. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that into a sampler and put it over your bed. Read that years ago in a comic, uh, I Ching or something like that. It uh-huh. was, a, it was a, it, wise little things every day you read. I mm-hmm. thought about that. Uh, I always read out my set list. Yeah? Yeah. But you don't take it on stage with you, do you? Sometimes, yeah. but not usually. And not in my left pocket. But that's, Back left pocket. That to me is a kind of a practical thing to do. Hmm. That's not a superstition. It is. In a way, uh, superstition it is. is you when you get ready for the set, you have to put your right sock on first, <laughs> like uh, like athletes do. They have they have some athletes, football players, baseball players, whatever. They their shoes. They have to tie one shoe first. Mm-hmm. There's a ritual they have. That's a Greek superstition. Believe it or not, my wife is Greek. That's why I know this. Is you have to put your right sock I or shoe I on. I knew I smelled feta cheese. Yes. Oh, there. wait. Well, let's hope she's and cooking. olives. Let's hope she's cooking on the way out. Um, right foot, right shoe first. And she gets pissed if I put the left shoe on my. Kid oh really? First. Oh yeah. Now is that just from her family? I think it's a Greek thing. Greek are very, very superstitious. About before battle, the, the soldiers would put on their right... Pro- Usually, I think all their superstitions <laughs> lean back to the Turks invading Greece at one point. Right, so if so you put probably, your right sandal on first... Yeah, yeah, is what I think. Before you go in. I have a superstition on a plane. Before I get on a plane, I knock three times on the door when I walk through. Yeah, I have no superstitions when I fly. Yeah, I don't know why that started. But some woman says, what did she say to me the last time I flew? She's like, or she said, oh, superstitious. I said, eh, it's worked every time. Yeah. You know? So, it has nothing to do with the plane. You know that. I'm a wise mariner. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, not throw it back at me. No, a wise mariner knocks three times on the, uh, on the Airbus, I believe. It does nothing. No? No. has nothing to do with it? Nope. It has nothing to do with putting your sock on the right foot? It has everything with you just feeling as good as you can mm-hmm. feel. If it relaxes you and you're happy with that. Good for you. Wouldn't you like a relaxed person in the plane next to you as opposed to a neurotic guy yeah, biting his nails? But all right, let's say you get on the plane and you sit down. Holy shit, you didn't knock. Mm-hmm. On the outside of the plane, you got to do it? Yeah, yeah. And it's that funnel. What if they have the tunnel where you can't reach the outside of the plane? I've never seen one where it didn't. Okay, reach. so there's part of the next to the doorway. Yeah, where you walk through the um, gateway. Yeah, the gateway and the, the ramp. Walkway, the ramp. Yeah, the ramp. And then you walk. And you knock three times on okay. the right. All right. That's it. What about on the left? Can't do it on the left? Mm, on the right. Okay. I've usually got a bag in my left hand. And it does nothing for the plane. Do you think it knocks a bolt into place? It could. No, it can't. It's worked so far. No, it has It has worked so far. I haven't used it, and it's worked so far. <laughs> so not doing <laughs> it works. Maybe you're following the plane after me. No, not doing it works. We're not, we haven't been on the same flight. You're going to feel like shit. The Wright brothers got <laughs> if up. If I don't knock on my next and that plane goes down. No, I'm not. How, how, how am I going to know? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you had a conscience. No, how am I going to know? I don't give a damn. Uh, I'll text you. As I it's go- I'll text it. you as it's going down. Not only will I feel bad if you go down on the plane, everybody on that plane I'll feel bad for. <laughs> well, I like to think it's about me. Yeah, well. well I'll just text. Alan, and you have a Greek, wait, you have a Greek wife mm-hmm. and a son. And you think it's about you. <laughs> in this little room? Okay. In this little room. Right. Trust me. So as soon as I you. step out of this room, it is no longer about me. One time I did a, a guy saw me in the early 80s in uh, the improv and flew me out to Arizona for somebody's birthday party. Oh, cool. And that was very cool. And this is when 
Reagan was in office, so every white person that wasn't a comedian was making money. <laughs> and, you know, it seemed to me anybody that wasn't in show business or a musician or outside of that realm of artists, it seemed like the world was making money. So it's all these nouveau riche, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, loud talking, drinking, beautiful women, men, and stuff like that. And there was a woman at the party that, and I delayed my flight for three days. She said, why don't you come home with me? I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is 45, maybe 40. Maybe she was lying. Mm-hmm. Terrific person. Took her to her home. Her husband, she had divorced or he had died or whatever. Whatever. She lived here alone. She had a couple dogs mm-hmm. out in Arizona. It's a beautiful home. Pool. And it was just, she said, why don't you stay me? Let me? Just let me take care of you. We can travel. We do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I got a career. <laughs> I got a career back in New York. But this, it was like, and I didn't do it. Uh-huh. But I said, no. And I kind of kept in touch with her. And I guess she found somebody else. Sure. I said, well, come to New York. Because the sex was, I mean, if you're a young man and you make love to a woman 20 years, you're senior. You know what kissing is. Right, yeah. And everything else, you know. So it was like, it really appealed to me. But after a while, I could see, well. I'm, I have an opportunity here to do something with my life, and I'm still a young man. I still have desires mm-hmm. and goals, and so eh, being kept uh, a- appealed. Now I'd like to do it. <laughs> now, you know, say to my wife, listen, I found someone who's going to take care of me. Yeah. I'll give you all my money. Right. You're fine. Yeah. I'll throw in a good word for you. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we can. Yeah. You can visit us. You can come on the yacht with us. <laughs> but she was pretty loaded. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, uh, I'll run a yacht, go down to the Bahamas. And mm-hmm. I said, well, call me in December. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, because she really, uh, I guess, took a shine to me or she just wanted, she liked having a young man on her arm. Hey, you're, you're obviously a good conversationalist and a funny person. Uh, only on podcasts. Oh, really? Yeah. Just a stick it. in the mud as ah. soon as this goes off. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> huh, what? All right. I don't know. Um, in a recent interview I did, uh, one of the, uh, uh, the, the, the writer, uh, said that I tend to ask the non, uh, typical stereotypical questions, really? uh, to my guests, which is what I'm not going to do right now. I'm going to ask a very, uh, stereotypical question. What? Uh, how has standup changed, uh, from when you started to now? It's harder to get in. Harder to get in. Yeah, there's more numbers out there, more people doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's basically, if you can get on stage anywhere, get in front of a microphone by yourself, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. It's the same. You know, it. Um, I think more people are more ambitious. I think people plan out their careers more because they've seen many, many, many examples of people in stand up. And branching off into great sitcoms or mm-hmm. acting work and making and still sticking with the stand-up. Alan King, let's go back to the beginning being one of them. Sure. Today would be Jerry Seinfeld mm-hmm. or Ray Romano. Um, but to me, it's the business is basically, it's, it's, it's a lot busier. There's a lot more people. There's a lot more clubs. There's a lot more ambition. There's a lot more maneuvering mm-hmm. almost conniving but that's probably all going has been going on since the dawn of man and certainly of stand-up but it just there seems to be more numbers sure and when you come with more numbers it's harder to get singled out it's mm-hmm. harder to make your mark but then again you have uh 
this kid uh, on the internet, the 16-year-old, now he's like 21, uh, Brem... Bo? Bo. Bo Burnham? Yes, Bo Burnham. Uh, you have Doug Stanhope, mm-hmm. who you if you talk to a lot of people and you know, they don't know him. Yeah. And then you talk to other people that he's the best comedian sure. working today. You have a guy that can handle his career like that, just become really good and start traveling and building an audience. Or someone like Bo who did it on the internet. Mm-hmm. Or a guy like me uh, who just worked the clubs, worked the clubs, worked the clubs and audition and worked the clubs and worked the clubs and audition. Mm-hmm. You know, and got a break here, got a break there. Uh, you had a lot of guys who now are writers and producers who started up from stand-up. Mm-hmm. They they know a lot of people now. They've been in the business a while. Uh, there's so many ways to be successful, and I say that in quotes in this business, without being a known entity, mm-hmm. without being uh, the big ball-busting headliner. Right. You know, uh, ball-busting is the wrong word. Uh, wrecking ball. Wrecking know. ball, sure. Uh, but... To me, it's basically you're with two other guys on the road and you're doing a show. Mm-hmm. And one thing I do see a lot more mercenary comedians. It's just about them. They're just out for themselves. Oh, really? I see that. There's always been that guy. Sure. But there are a lot more guys like that. Really? Yeah. So you think it was more of a club or more of a? I think people brotherhood slash sisterhood. Yes, I do. Yeah. I do. I really do. Uh, especially coming up in the 80s because mm-hmm. it started to explode and we were all grateful. Very few people weren't grateful. I know comedians today that they don't like people. They don't like working. Mm-hmm. They do it. They're great at it, but they don't enjoy it. They, you know, And it's all about them. Mm-hmm. And this rears its ugly head when they're on stage and it's supposed to be 20 minutes and they get the light and they keep going. Mm-hmm. Or, and I, I don't like when MCs say, hey, that's my time. Mm-hmm. I know the feature could say that, but no, that's not your time. You're coming back. You're going to bring up the next comedian. You might do a couple jokes. This is your show. Right. Back in the 80s, here's something that's really changed. In the early 80s, mid 80s, MC was a, a prestige gig mm-hmm. because it was your show. When you were uh, asked to be an MC, that means you're a good comedian. You could work uh, with a crowd. You could deal with situations. You could make the show go long. And I got MC gigs at the improv, and it was a point of pride to keep that audience there. So when guys would come back from Jersey shows and do an late spot, they'd come up to me and say, hey, man, there's still a crowd here. Thanks. Mm-hmm. You know, And I would say to the crowd, if you do have to leave, please do it quietly. But we still have a great show. I was very cognizant of the fact that comedians, because I was one, needed a good uh, crowd at the end of the night. Yeah. So that's one thing that's happened. MC job is looked at as the bottom of the barrel. And it's not. We're all equally important. Mm-hmm. And guys don't get that. Yeah. Hey, listen, you're preaching to the choir. We've discussed that a lot on this show. And it's, even if it's not your show, if you go on the road, Bud books, Bud books you independent, you know, mm-hmm. so but it is your show. Mm-hmm. You have that attitude. This is the show I'm bringing you. I'm the first guy welcoming you, and I'm the last guy. Mm-hmm. And there are still people who will. Uh, Jimmy Burns at the Ice House uh, holds that attitude. Howie up at uh, holds that attitude. David Gee. David Gee, great MC. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he really... Uh, Second week in the row, David Gee was brought up. Interesting. Well, I have to call yeah, him. He's been around a long time, and he knows how to MC a show. Mm-hmm. I got to get him on this show. I, we, my wife and I uh, did the show. We have a nonprofit called uh, Friends of Shelter Animals. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did a benefit at the improv, and I wanted David to MC, and my wife and a couple of said, no, this is your charity. You should MC the show. So... 
but if you you got a corporate gig or anything that you want anyone to MC, Guy is a go-to guy. Yeah, man. And he'll write fresh material for that show. Oh yeah, I was uh, last year. I was working in Vegas with, and I went with Bud and his wife to a, a benefit for Pam Madison. Right. Do you know her? Yes. And David hosted that show with the coasters and, you know. Yeah. And he had all fresh new jokes centered around what was happening that week in Vegas. And you guys are a class act, man. Yeah. yeah. Again, thanks for tuning in to the David Gee Stories uh, podcast. Well, you know, here's <laughs> the thing, too. When you sit around, and this is why I love comedians and cars getting coffee. Yeah. And the only problem I have with that show is it's too short. Right. Yeah, I would love to hear... When you sit around with a comedian and you talk about comedy and stuff, you uh, inevitably mm-hmm. you're going to talk about other comedians. Oh, sure. And not necessarily, you know, the great ones, but mm-hmm. the ones out there who you've worked with and interacted with, and re- they really made an impression on you. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh yeah. And one thing, and I'll, I'll give this shout out to my listeners who are always sending me emails and saying, "Listen, we love it when you have the Alan Havies and the Doug Bensons, but we love it when we have when you have somebody we've never heard of, right? And get to and discover new comics and stuff like that. Everyone has a fresh point of view. Yeah. You know the Wise Mariner <laughs> line. Uh, there's a bunch of them out there. Oh yeah, that's I only have, I, that's the only one I have. That's, that's oh. it. I gave up. I'm giving it all up. You're, I'm a limp rag now. I've <laughs> given it. you all my wisdom. Oh, all right. And what great wisdom it was, man. And I want to thank you for coming. Hey, it was my pleasure. It was thank really a uh, really pleasure having. A really pleasure talking to you. And uh, you're one of the guys I like to stick around and watch when you're on stage. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Yeah. See, the, the best compliments come from other comedians. Too. Yeah. So thank you. And then they turn around and stab you in the back. Yeah, the bastards. Man, fuck those guys. We fuck don't them. need them. You weed those people out. Yeah. When I'm on stage, it's all about me. <laughs> See, that's another thing. When you're going along, it's all about you for 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. You need more than that? <laughs> a show runs in a rhythm. A joke runs in a rhythm. The, the, the night runs on a rhythm. It's all about rhythm. You're fucking up the rhythm when you go over. <laughs> Little anger. Oh, you don't like when people run the light? No. That's what I love about Vegas. Especially the improv? Yeah, Carl. Carl? Carl runs a tight show. I love Carl. Now, the thing about Tahoe is I can go five or ten minutes over, but I'm the last guy. Right. But I, I might do that knowing, though, that I'm not going to do an hour. Sure. You know, so that's fun. But, yeah, it, I love uh, working in Vegas, too, because you know you're not going to go a minute over. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Oh, yeah. And I say it, and I, I say it to Carl every time I'm there, and Carl's really great. He's, he he um, basically manages the improv, but I, I think he's officially the sound guy. But uh, yeah, I always say, Carl, man, everybody always says good things about you. He says, and then they always say, as long as you don't run the light. <laughs> well, Carl's quiet and he has a lot of candy back there. He does have a lot of candy. Yeah. I go for the Snickers. Yeah, I like Snickers. Oh, all right. Well, we can't ever work together then there. We'll be fighting for the Snickers. Uh, oh, it's a, it's a writer in my contract. <laughs> I don't work with anyone I've done a podcast with. Oh, well, really? Yep. Oh, well, it works out good. Yeah, I'm a real prick sometimes. <laughs> Alan Havey, um, besides, and I can only assume you'll be on the second half of the next season of Mad Men. We don't know. No, we don't. Um, but I can only assume that you will be. And if I remember the last episode, you didn't get sick or anything on that. So I'm, I might be. We'll have to just wait. Okay. I'll keep my fingers crossed. I'll keep my fingers crossed for you, too. Thank I like you. when good... Uh, things happen to good people. Thank you very much. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. Where else can we catch you? Are you going to hit the road? Can some of my listeners come out and see you? Uh, August 5th, the week of August 5th, I'll be at Vegas at the Improv. Then September 11th through the 14th, I'll be at the Comedy Cellar in New York. And October, I'll be up in Lake Tahoe. But okay, great. 
You know, if you have a comedy club in your area <laughs> and you'd like to have me come in, have the owner call me. Okay. Set something up because there's a lot of clubs out there I don't work just because I, I like to stick close to home. Sure. But I'm open to new stuff. Oh, that's great. Alan, I want to thank you for coming. I'll reach you, over Marie. and shake your hand with Appreciate my stiff it. neck. Um, that neck. Thanks, man. It's hopefully, it'll be another day. I'll give myself, we got a big swell coming in, so I got to get it oh, fixed. Listen to you. <laughs> How long have you been surfing? Uh, what are we, 14 years? Okay. 14 years? All right. Yeah. Um, if you would have said three. Oh, yeah. I, would I just said, started. You're a poser. Last week, I just yeah. started. No, man, I'm so much not a poser that uh, I started the Comics on Safari tour. Uh, it's all comedians who surf. We'll be, oh, in, we'll be in, oh, one of those shows. Oh, yeah. They, they, Jesus Christ. Right. Goodbye, Murray. <laughs> we'll be oh, in Santa Cruz in August. Surf. <laughs> comedians with hemorrhoids. Uh, it's only... It's, it's only, Irish night. It's black night. Fuck that. It's, it's me funny. <laughs> it's only, a, it's only a, a scheme just to be able to surf and then do shows. Yeah, That's I know. That's all it is. Really? Yeah. Oh, I... <laughs> I had no idea no, what no. it was a scam. No, oh, no, no. The trick is we just go trick? to San Diego and surf and then uh, do shows that night. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's all it is. Anyway, we'll be in Santa Cruz in August. <laughs> and, uh, of course, check out All Things Comedy Networks, a lot of great podcasts, a lot of great albums on there right now. Um, Brian Scalaro's album is on there. Uh, Jackie Cation's uh, DVD is on uh, All Things Comedy. And uh, hit me at, at Marie V on Twitter. And, uh, as always, uh, thanks for listening. And, really, seriously, uh, check out Alan uh, when he comes through your town. He's, he's one of the best. Go to my website. Oh, I do, I do a seminar for college kids. There's all kinds of things going on in my life. I try. And then you yelled at me for surfing. Yeah, I know. Sorry. What kind of seminar do you do? What? What kind of seminar is it? I'll talk about it next time. Okay. Alan, have a safe trip home, man. Thanks, Marie. The five minutes away. <laughs> I'm sweating now. Turn on I the know. AC. <laughs> I'm done. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. You want to know about life on the road? It's booze, tacos, angry dwarfs, strippers waving guns, and fees, fights, cancel flights, running with the runs, and blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette. <laughs> Drunks in the front making out for your set. And middle acts doing blow more missing merch. And drive the rental car past another mega church. And juice keys, vagina fist, your cell phone is gone. One big law and order marathon.